It's Off Exit 10, presented by Capital District Sport and Fitness. Jerking off. I'm not like jerking I'm off. I'm not, I'm not texting with the boys. I'm literally working. The boys aren't with me most or of them. occasionally working. Uh, I'm just trading pornos with Hideki Matsui <laughs> <laughs> all morning. Yeah, I. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of weird because before we had our daughter, I would wake up super early every day to get that like alone time to get mm-hmm. stuff done, yeah, like 4:30 in the morning. Yeah. Then I chip away at stuff 4:30 to 5:30, and then come in and work. Or stay home and just keep working but then since we've had her i've like have certain days which is like a really long early day mm-hmm. or like today i didn't start working till nine so i slept in till like 6 30. <sighs> days that i come in here early to open yeah i'll wake up at four mm-hmm. i'll get here at like five quarter to five and just hammer out work until the gym what time opens. does the first people walk in six okay perfect yeah, yeah i couldn't have you ever trained anybody before six my or whole do, life. And do st- you still? Still now, yeah. 5 a.m. Do you like it? I'm so used to it now. I don't mind it. Um, now that I've grown the online business, there is a part of me that like would prefer to have that morning time to do stuff that I need to get done for the online business. Um, at this point, in-person coaching is the easiest part of my day because it's, it's a steady book of clients who have been with me for years. So um, it doesn't really feel like work. I'm just kind of like there bullshitting with them and getting through a workout. And then, uh, so yeah, I don't mind it. I would I would be getting up early anyway. Right. So it doesn't really bother me. But yeah, um, that that's like the magic hour from like from like 4 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. before like everyone else else in the house is up for the day is when I can get like a good chunk of stuff done. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta figure, I don't know, everybody's so different and business models are so different. But burnout is so high in this field. Mm-hmm. Like you guys were talking off air, some dude selling RVs and tents or yeah, RVs yeah. and sheds. Wait, he, yeah, he works for us. So that's something actually that you had talked about. Are we recording now? Oh yeah, we just oh, start. Surprise! <laughs> okay. Surprise! Shot, here we uh, are. Awesome. <laughs> that yeah, clap was. Um, uh, I, I think that uh, it, it it it's hard to it's hard to make a living in this industry if you don't work for yourself. Or if you work, you have to work for like a really legit company that can afford to pay you well. Right. But like, yeah, working in like a commercial gym as like uh, an in-person trainer, it's hard to make a long-term living there. So eventually, you have to either go out on your own, or you have to find like a a different career, and then training becomes either your side hustle. Or you're not doing it anymore. Yeah, I mean, let's think about like what what jobs in this field offer a steady salary potential to grow benefits like you think about straight out of college straight getting into the field your one-on-one commercial gym your college strength coach probably at a small school that has no money for you whatsoever paying nothing yeah um one two i'm trying to get other avenues people take it's like that's what i saw a lot of people go so yeah i mean uh my my uh route was a little weird like i didn't go to college uh, i didn't know i was going to go into personal training and i didn't start coaching people till i was like 23 so there's a there's a big gap area i graduated high school when i was 17 
and I didn't start in the industry till I was 23. 23 is still young, man. It's still yeah. young, but I think a lot of people who do start in it start younger or they're, they at least know that's where they're going. I think, yeah, they know that yeah. they think that's where they want to go. Yeah, and... like I was working out that whole time, but I wasn't training people where I didn't know that that's what I was going to do with my life. So when I started at 23, I, had, I was making $8 an hour. Uh, you know, that was your base pay. And then at the time, like if I got a client, it was like an extra 12 bucks an hour. So like think about uh, 23 at the time and 33 now, in order to make a full-time living at 20 bucks an hour, like you would have to work a lot. A lot. <laughs> and and, and that it, was a, it was a place that didn't let you work more than 40 hours because then they have to pay you overtime. Right. So even when I was like, got myself booked and slammed and was doing 40 hours of appointments a week, you know, I was, I think my best year in a commercial gym, I made like just under 50 grand. You know what I mean? Which is at twenty five is good money, but at, you know, at, you know, at thirty three with a wife and a son and a mortgage and saving for my future is not. Yeah, I wish when I was in my early twenties, like you get out for us, you get out of college, you just start working, you go from like having no money going to your bank account to just like some, and some you feel like, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> But then you don't know. I didn't know how to save that well or what to do. I've said before in here, I was going to fucking Whole Foods. I was going out three nights a week, living in Boston, paying that rent. Yeah. And you're making it, but then it's just like, then it's gone and then I, you're doing it again. I remember the first time as a trainer making like uh, 600 bucks for a week's worth of work and being like, oh man, I'm doing it. Like, I'm fu I, like, I was like, oh man, because before that I had never had a job where I was making decent money or that I liked the job I was doing. So the first time I made like 600 bucks in a week as a coach and I was like, oh, I like my job and I'm making 600 bucks, like I made it. <laughs> that was, you know, 10 years ago now. And now, you know, as, as I've grown in the industry and, and, and started my own business, I have to be a little bit more focused on, you know, revenue than I was back then. But uh, I still remembered like thinking like, wow, 600 bucks, like I'm, I'm crushing it. Yeah. The commercial gym, though, there's a lot to learn in the commercial gym, I feel like. Um, For sure. Yeah, I feel like it's a spot. It's because like if you were giving a young coach advice, mm. you're like, you know, this, it's, it would be hard to tell them, but you got to, like, you got to do it. You're not going to like it. You're going to be unhappy. This isn't going to be your career, how you're going to spend, yeah. you know, many, many years, but you're going to learn so much and it's going to give you so many skills. And I'll, I mean, I, I don't know if the people you know who listen to this are maybe people who want to be coaches or are interested in that, but uh, for me, my personal experience training in a commercial gym was awesome. Like I, I really enjoyed it because I don't know if maybe it's because I didn't, I wasn't planning on going into coaching athletes. I wasn't planning on, you know, I wasn't planning on starting my own business. So at the time, just perspective, I was like, this is the best job ever. Like I'm in the gym all day. Uh, and I, at the time I, you know, made a close group of guy friends, like here, you know, Dan Jones being one of them. Um, so I was just working with my friends all day long and working out on my off time, going to grab Chipotle. I had my own apartment. It was like the best. And, and then I just matured out of it. But like during that time frame when I was there, I tell anyone who's trying to become a coach, like, don't go right into starting your own business. Like go work for someone else and let them feed you clients and learn and stay there for a couple of years. Like don't rush it. Cause uh, you know, starting your own business is like, <clears throat> when you start your own business, you're not starting a business at first. You're just creating a job for yourself. And it's like the worst fucking job in the world. Cause you're working for yourself. Who's probably, you're probably an asshole to yourself. 
you probably have high expectations for yourself. Yeah, if you're somebody that wants yeah. to pursue starting a business, yeah, you're probably more type A. You're hard on yourself. Yeah, hard on yourself. You're you're a psycho because you're willing to do this. So like it's it's basically going to work for uh, an unstable psychopath who who is uh, operating off of trauma and stress. <laughs> And then you're also you're dependent on him to him or her to perform to make money. So I started my own business. I didn't plan on doing it. It was like out of necessity. And then I think that's why maybe I don't have like the uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is like the romantic view of like entrepreneurship that that is out there now, like with social media and everything. I think everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Like I don't romanticize it that much. I don't think it's like for everybody or should be the goal for everybody. You sh- you have to have a clear understanding of, like what you're getting yourself into, and you have to make sure like mentally you're prepared for it. Yeah, as well. it is yeah. romanticized online. Oh yeah, that is for true. Sure. Yeah, because well, people are trying to sell business coaching. Everybody wants a side hustle, and yeah, people are trying to sell fucking. You see this a lot in our industry. Yeah, it's like people trying to sell business coaching, increase your revenue. It's like, have you really done this? Like, oh yeah. Chances are these people haven't. Or really done, done it this. for a long enough period of time. Where like, because a lot of times what happens, people do they get into fitness, and this seems to be very specific, like fitness, real estate, things like that. Uh, someone will get into the business, they'll make a shit ton of money in like the, you know, a short period of time. Then they're like, I'm going to teach others how to make money. So then they don't even like build longevity in the business that they're teaching how to make money in. Now, that being said, I've paid for business coaching before and seen good results from it. But I didn't do that until I was eight years into coaching and, and four, three or four years into owning my own business. So like, give it time. Don't start. I have people, I have a couple of I've had coaches reach out to me because they know I've been around for a while, so they'll ask me for advice. And they're like a year in, six months in, and they're thinking about dropping 10K on like a business coaching thing. And I'm like, don't fucking do it, is man. Is that what it is? That's heavy. Yeah. I, I, so to be honest with you guys, I so I've invested probably in the last two years, I've invested probably $20,000 in business coaching, but I've made back right. more than 10, 15 times that by investing in it now i was just but i was ready for it yeah and but you know what else i didn't think about when we first started talking about this is that you're by yourself correct yeah i have have a part-time virtual assistant Mm -hmm. uh very part-time and she's great but uh, yeah it's me but i mean somebody to like i have dan here and paul here and connor here and pierce and my wife and she's like i don't want to be involved in your fucking head and what you're thinking but it's like ideas to bounce off of people and talk with them and yeah because if i was by myself it's like sam would get fed up pretty quickly and then it's like you you need an outlet to yeah dude um that that's that's i mean i'll be honest with you like that's been a that's been a a a constant learning and struggle is balancing that while being a present husband and father because when i go when i first invested in business coaching for example uh, it was you know my wife's the best because she was I heard there's gonna be 10K and I was like, you know, all right, I'm just not doing it. And then she was the one who was like, listen, like if anyone can invest this and make it work, it's you. So if you wanna do it, like I know that you'll be you'll be able to do it. And if for some reason it doesn't work, like we'll be fine. And like, I remember saying to her, like, I wish I believed in myself the way that you believe in me. Cause like, but I did it for the first, so for the next six months, dude, like it wasn't like pretty. Like I was fucking stressed. I mean, I was not getting sleep. I wasn't working out the way that I normally was. My nutrition wasn't great. I was sitting at a desk all day. I'm like learning how to develop these systems and and Mm. learning sales skills and all this stuff. And at the time I have a one-year-old and a wife and a mortgage. And I'm like, 
like I was I was stressed. Now, like I said, it it paid off, and the online business now become like, you know, it's like a it's a six figure business, and it it does well. But maintaining that is not fucking easy. Like, I, it's not like I'm. It's not like I hit a I tap a button on the keyboard at the beginning of the week, and I'm like, okay, things are good. I just came off a very stressful year for business wise, and uh, you just got to be prepared for that. I think the advertising behind it is like, hey, you invest this money with us, you're gonna start making a million dollars a year, and it's just it doesn't work that yeah. way. Yeah, our field too. It is stressful because. I'm trying to think of comparable fields, Paul, that are so customer service heavy. Yeah, sorry, Paul, you haven't. Said I mean, I'm just, I'm just chilling. Right I'm, bringing Paul, I'm bringing Paul in. I was, right like, now, I was letting you talk. It's your, you're the guest. I'm like, hey, let you go. Are we recording, Paul? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but think about a field where it's so customer service heavy. Like you're executing your service like to its fullest. In front of for us, it's groups of people mm-hmm. all day. Like you're. You're on the spotlight all day. You know what? Another yeah. thing I was thinking about when I was uh, thinking about this episode too is like it's the only business I know of where you're also seeing your customers as frequently and as we do. Yeah. Think about if you're like a therapist, oh, good point. As frequently as you're providing the service, you're seeing. Them. Yeah. So like think about like if you're if you're selling coffee, you might see your client uh, like a customer every day, but you see them for like five minutes. Yes. Go. This is the, this is it. This yeah. is what makes it hard. So yeah. like with, or with a therapist, you might see your patient once a week or once a month. Massage therapist, same thing, once or twice a month. Chiropractor, maybe once a month, maybe once every other month. With training, you're seeing your customer two to five times a week for 45 to 60 minutes. I have clients that I talk to more than my own family, and they've been with me for years. So, like, you're just – and you're doing that also with a large group of people. And as I got into, like, the online stuff – sorry – I'm dealing more with habits and mindset. So you're mm-hmm. not just coaching workouts, you're digging into their emotions, their traumas, all that stuff. It's a it's very heavy and you're balancing, you know, let's say right now 30 to 40 of those relationships and then trying to sign off on that and then also be there emotionally for your wife, your son. And that's why dude, like I don't really do much outside of work home and work out that's I it i think that's yeah. part of this field i think we all feel that way i mean yeah. your, your social my social battery by the time i that's leave here it. most times is like uh i don't want to do shit yeah um luckily i have like you know some friends that are like all right let's go do something I'm like all right i'll get my ass up and go yeah yeah but like half the time i leave here i'm like yep i'm ready to go sit on my couch eat some food watch some tv and then uh go to bed and yeah that's and then do it. it all again yeah and then do it all again the next day yeah especially when i was you know when i was in my earlier in my mid-20s and yeah you have your group of friends who they want to go out every night and get drinks and hang out, but it's like they're working desk jobs. They're isolated all day, mm-hmm. so that work day ends, and they're ready to like they're spend to, their social they're energy. They're ready to fuck shit up. Like, yeah. that's what they're doing. Our feels do. the opposite. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. like you're draining your social. There's also battery. no other like again on top of the the amount of service and the, the the quantity of service you're providing to each client, but you're also up early. And working late. Yeah. Like you're not working eight to five or eight to four. Like you're working sometimes, like we were talking about before we started recording, like, f- or maybe you were recording, I don't know. <laughs> but like 5 a.m., 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. Like today, my day started at 4 a.m. and I'll, my work day will be done at like 6 p.m. Now, in, I work from home. So in between there, I do have family time built in and workout time built in. But like I'm not shutting off my work brain. You know, I'm turning my record from like 100 down to 60 at 6 p.m. Yeah. So that's a long mm-hmm. day. 
You know, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Well, and like when I was in New York, it would be like I might be at the gym from like 7 a.m. to 1 p.m., then go work out. And then I don't have a client till five, but then I'm there five to nine or five to eight. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, my whole day is spent. And then in those between hours, I'm still either like sending out leads or doing other stuff to try to get more clients. Yeah. Or working out hours. maybe. Or I work out, I get food. I might go like see a friend that I, when I was in New York, it was easy because I could be like, hey, come meet me down here. Yeah. You know, da, 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 or I can come meet you there. But, you know, that was the big thing for me was days would be long and it would be like broken up. And then I would be like, okay, I got two hours. What am I going to do with this two hours right yeah. now? And then I'd figure out, okay, this is time for me to write programs or uh, look for leads or just be out on the gym floor and yeah. like, do that. And it's just like, all right, here we go. But yeah. Which gym did you work at in the city? Uh, I worked at New York Sports Club. Oh, nice. That's yeah. awesome. So it was, like that was that was a great experience for me. Um, I was a head trainer there, and then I stepped down to just being a regular trainer so I could make my own hours mm -hmm. um, and not have to be at the gym. Yeah. For 12 hours a day. Um, and like when I did have those breaks, I could be like, okay, let me leave the gym for a few hours and just like clear my brain for a little bit, you know, turn my work brain off. Yeah. Because, you know, you're going 100 miles an hour every day, especially like in the city. It was just like constantly you're going fast. And, uh, but it was a great experience and uh, definitely, you know, wouldn't change it for anything. No, and it's taught I think me a lot we, for can, here. we can go back to where we were talking about commercial gyms and like the benefits because hiring here, I've had, people in the past who have had no commercial gym experience they've yeah. only worked in like group training settings mm -hmm. like we do here um and you know they're rock star coaches mm -hmm. they can cue really well they can program really well but didn't quite understand the pace that things need to move at behind the scenes mm -hmm. reaching out to leads making phone calls the speed you got to write programs at yeah mm -hmm. um doing sales yeah holding a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody for yeah. an hour it's like those are all skills that you build in a commercial gym i was yeah. thinking about that too uh when i was kind of looking at the things we were going to be talking about and i was thinking of uh you know the difference between group settings because like, there's also two different types of group settings like the group setting that you guys do which i think is a is a very solid like ideal situation i think it plays better to all of our personalities here i think it, i think it's i think it's the best of both worlds because you don't have to be one-on-one -on -one with someone i think a lot of times after you have a client for a few months they can kind of do the things on their own so they don't need you there hand holding them the whole time mm -hmm. i i've said to dan before like i i think your guy's setup is like the ideal gym setup um but I think a lot of times when people do group fitness, they're thinking like when it's one coach to like 30 people. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So you have in this industry, you have large group and small group or yeah, large group right. could be like a one to 30 and small. You're sitting like a probably one to four to eight pocket. Right. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and what I, we had at New York sports club was we had both. Sides. Yeah. Yeah. So when I started coaching, I was doing one-on-ones, small group and large group all within the same day. So I think it's good to get all that experience. Oh, it, was, it was great. And I think what happens is a lot of people, um, uh, just now with the industry, fitness has become more popular. So I think it's more fun to get into. So a lot of entry-level trainers, when they go get a job at a commercial gym, it's like a one-on-one -on -one coach. You're making no money and you have to get clients and you don't have confidence. So mm -hmm. in order to avoid dealing with that discomfort, they go get a job at like a, a group fitness place where they're going to just get plugged in and you don't have to worry about sales because you have someone doing your sales for you and you just walk into a room of 
20, 30 people and you're the star and you have a headset and you're just yelling. Oh, the headset. Have you ever yeah. worn a headset while you're no, a coach? Never. <laughs> I said, yeah. well, what the fuck? I could but, never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then what, what happens God, is- Paul, imagine me in a headset out here. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, I but, don't put a headset on me because, and I'm not, and I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not trying to like discourage people or talk shit about that whatsoever. But it's just, it's just do you have no. to wear a headset? No, can but you like, just project. Not yeah, can you project? But that's the thing is the the what happens sometimes is I think, that's the right fit for people. Yeah, or, or, but I just you get thrust into that, yeah. and I think from that environment, I don't think that those skills transfer over into. Right. one-on-one or starting your own business yeah. or doing online coaching, which is a whole different animal. Um, and I think that if you want longevity, you either, if you start in a group fitness place, you either have to move into management, which, you know, is maybe not as exciting, or you have to start your own thing, but then you lose that stability. I don't know. I just, for me personally, I don't, that's not, it's not my thing, yeah. but I also don't, I, I don't work. <laughs> this sounds so shitty, but like, I don't th- think that I fit in well in like a rah, rah, mm-hmm. but, no. but even from a workplace environment, like even if I was to come like, like, and I worked at a place I hear where it's all dudes I get along with the way that you guys run things, I would be fine with. But like, when it's like, you have to like take the picture and like do the thing and like, yeah. and the smile and like, and you, and I just, it would be hard for me to do that. Now imagine going to work for someone now that working for yourself for the last five years. I could never, so I could never we, do it. we talk about all the stressors that comes along yeah. with it financially, <clears throat> management standpoint, client retention standpoint, client relationships, back end work. Bro, it's a lot. Yeah. It's on yeah. your mind. Like you said, yeah, your work brain's at 100% during the day, and I'm just working hard to get it down to 40 at night and yeah. 30. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's a but lot. I, but I could never work for somebody else. No, but no. going back to what you were saying, like with the different, obviously, groups, small group, one-on-one, every person in the industry has a different fit, right? Yes. And like I remember this one girl, and this is where like starting as a one-on-one trainer, I think helped her she was like super smart she was young and obviously like i feel like in the gym we were in it was hard to be a female trainer that was young and new this is a this is a young person's field though when you get into it because of the hours you got to spend and the lack of money making it's hard if you have a family but if you're in it it was she was an inexperienced person but she was super knowledgeable she could she was a rock star at like uh writing programs she also had a great personality but then like when it came to the sales side of things she would always like choke up a little bit right like she so for me as the head trainer part of my job was teaching the trainers how to basically sell themselves and new york sports club would have this you know whole little spiel they would tell you to do and i just took that and made it my own and then i was like all right this is what you have to do but you have to put your own spin on it too yeah because you're selling yourself and then she learned through that like how to like talk to people one-on-one and then she ended up going to i believe an orange theory in in new jersey because she lived in new jersey and like her personality just ended up like fitting perfect with that. Yeah, and that's awesome. But right? it worked yeah. out well for her because she did the one-on-one first and then she went and did that. And I think that made her better as the big group person than she would have been if she just went straight to that. And she probably got more confidence. Yes. So now if she was to go to one-on-one, she'd probably do better right. because she now knows exactly. she has the confidence. But I, I mean, the turnover, I think I read a stat recently, like the it's- average career span of like a fitness professional was like two years yeah before they, they they call I believe it, it hey paul do me a favor i just realized this you can keep this in jay i don't give a shit yeah unplug the phone we don't need to take it it'd be funny if paul took a phone call during this podcast <laughs> hello <laughs> um <laughs> yeah no i i think that uh if you're someone and like 
uh, you're young and this you're like, I like working out, so I want to be a trainer. Or maybe you are someone who has an office job now and you're like, I hate my job, but I want to get in the fitness industry. I wouldn't tell you not to do it. I would just say like, do it slow and yep. like anything else, like learn the skills first, like do it slow, do it as a side hustle first, see if you like it before you like go all in. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think understand the foundational skills that you need to build. Like, right. What yeah. would you say those are? I think the biggest thing, man, uh, I think about this a lot because uh, I, I mean, we could talk about this later, but like, I'm sure you guys do this too. You get like, like that hardcore, like imposter syndrome sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was like, well, what the fuck am I doing right that I've been able to do this for 10 years, make a good living and start my own business. And I think the, the keys are, I don't think what it's what people think that it is. I don't think that you have to uh, have a super intricate knowledge of the anatomy or be a nutritionist. I think you just have to genuinely uh, care about your clients and want them to, to change. I think that you need to be you need to have conviction in what you're trying to teach them because that's what sales is. Sales isn't like tricking someone to buy something. Sales is like believing so much that you can help someone that it's almost stupid if they don't sign up with you. Hmm. And I think you need to understand who you're trying to help. I just had this conversation. I actually mentor uh, a coach and uh, I was talking to him about this yesterday and I was like, who like I was saying like who are you trying to help like who's your ideal client who are the clients you work best with and he because he didn't know like what to make content on and stuff like that so I just started being like what are the things that like this particular client of yours struggles with and he listed off like 11 things I'm like you have content for a year now so like you have to really understand like what are your clients actually going through like if your client comes in like it doesn't matter if you what's better a deadlift or a squat like what matters is like are you actually like paying attention to like their body language and how they're feeling are you making the workout enjoyable for them mm -hmm. do they feel better when they leave versus when they come in do they look forward to seeing you because if you can get that stuff down you can learn the rest along the way so i think for me what's been helpful is that i just i like talking to people and i am a talker as you guys can probably tell and I genuinely am interested in other people. So when I'm talking to a client, I'm asking them questions about their day or their job. Like it's genuine. It's not just making small talk. I think that goes a long way. I think it goes, it'll take you further than the amount of certifications you have. Yeah, I think this, I think your social awareness yeah. and like social emotional intelligence right. is the foundation. Yeah. Well, as with most fields probably, but this one, like we said, because it's so, you're with people for an hour multiple times a week. You yeah. gotta be able to develop a rapport with somebody and then build off of that as you go. And you know, one of the things that I always would tell, again, when I was at New York Sports Club was like, you gotta give a little to get a little. Yeah. You know, most people are gonna be standoffish, especially if they're coming into an office to sit with you one on one yeah. and talk to you about like losing weight or like their insecurities because yeah. they have X, Y, and Z going on, they're gonna be standoffish at first. So you gotta like talk to them about like your journey a little bit. Yeah. And uh, you know, I had a client that's a trainer now and he came to me probably six months into training and he was like, Hey, I think I wanna like try to get into this and I was like, Come to me in six more months. Yeah. And then he came to me in six more months and then I started to like tell him the process of like, Okay, this is what you should do first. X, Y, and Z before he even started looking at like certifications, you know, I was like, I want you to start like looking into this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, and that was, you know, how to talk to people, how to like develop that rapport. And then, uh, from there he, you know, he's been a rock star since he started training. So, um, but yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. You go, know, you gotta be able to develop that relationship with people. I think too is, um, kind of, I think when you are a coach, um, if you're working in a commercial gym, you also have to 
you have to treat it like it's your own business. Yes. 100%. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to, like when I worked at, I worked at uh, a gym called Vent Fitness. That's where I met Dan and that's where I started as a coach. And uh, by the time I left there, I was I was a head trainer. How many in- Diet Coast did Dan drink at Vent? Not a lot. Maybe like one a day, <laughs> but it's because, I think it's because we weren't allowed to have uh, anything but like vent fitness water bottles on the floor. So maybe he snuck Diet Coke in there. Really? Damn, was, was there Diet Coke in the vent water bottles? Something else. Too. No, the, 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 the thing that was always funny about Dan was, uh, I actually have a funny, I have a, a funny story about like when I first got introduced to Dan, but the funny thing about Dan was, um, Dan, do you know this story? Yeah, I, I think I do. No, no, it, it's actually, it's, it's more as, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't put him in a bad light. It actually puts me in a bad light. But, um, uh, the thing about Dan was I was always like, I would tell him when I got close, I'm like, dude, if you just like ate like a like a man, you would be like jacked. Like you're already in great shape. Oh yeah. And you're yeah. already muscular and strong and shredded, but you eat like a five year old. Like imagine if you uh, and I it's, would he be, eats like a six year old. Yeah, dude, like, give him a fucking year. <laughs> I was like, if you ate like a fucking grown man, I was like, you would be like built like the rock. Like this is insane because he'd eat like the. What is it? Enderman's mini muffins for breakfast, oh, Dan, yeah. and then he'd have like a six pack. I'm like, Dan's how is that strong possible? as shit. He could he could lift oh, anybody in here. I will I will say though, when when we first started lifting together in that year, that's when Dan got his base level of strength. Did you push him I to get there? We, he started lifting. He started lifting. It wasn't specifically me, but the group we lifted with, we all made each other better. Like when I started lifting with them, I was probably the strongest dude, but my conditioning was awful. And my my programming knowledge and my my technique was bad, so like they made me way better at that. And then I probably forced them to get a little bit stronger, and it was like it was like a balance. But that's so huge, though, having well, great training oh, partners that's like that. That's something else with a commercial gym is like the relationship you can either develop with other members at the gym, or dude, I uh, met my other, I met my wife right at that gym, or other trainers at yeah, the gym, yeah. and then you have this community like that just you push each other. Yeah, like, like I there was like a group of like five guys that weren't clients of mine that I trained but like whenever I trained the guy I was telling you about they were always there yeah and like they were co- like cheering him on while I was coaching him and I was like I don't even have to really do anything I'm just oh dude out with it my was guys. that's why I say it was <laughs> those, it was the, the, the best days, man it was the best because like if I went into starting my own business when I was that age I'll get to the Dan story too but like a uh, quick quick backstory when I first got my certification like like literally like in 2014 yeah because We've talked here before that this field's unique because there's no like licensure process, right? Like if you're a teacher, you're a doctor, yeah, yeah. you're an AT, you have to go through a licensure, a board, you get it, you're in the field. Here is like you have varying degrees of education, but I know some really, really good coaches like you who didn't go to school for this. They're self taught. They're how yeah. did you yeah, how did you even know where to start? So I I um short version of the story is my entire childhood all I wanted to be was a professional wrestler. That's all I wanted to be, okay. right? I was obsessed with wrestling and not just like a fan. Like I actually appreciated like the art form of it. Like I was obsessed with it and I did, I was a professional wrestler for like. We need to get Connor and Badger in a room together. For like, uh, yeah, I know when I have friends that talk about wrestling, I go, I wish I could really, really say more. Who are your guys? Oh, like I mean, uh, all the all the, the 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 classic dudes like Eddie, like Eddie Guerrero, Steve Austin, um, like The Rock. I grew up watching like The Rock, Stone Cold, Triple H, like all those guys. But I, I mean, I I was when I was actually doing it, like I was on shows and doing it. I was looking at it from more of like the way you like insider inside baseball sort of thing, like looking at it from behind the scenes. 
And that's when I gain respect from people who are like um, maybe not as well known, but are really, really talented. But uh, and transition, I think that's also what helps me as a coach now is because I like I have, I'm so comfortable talking on camera, talking on radio, like talking to a group of people in and doing a seminar doesn't make me nervous because I've been in my underwear in front of crowd, <laughs> right? Like wrestling, I've gotten I've gotten slammed on thumbtacks in front of like 200 people before. So like t teaching a group of people how to like squat is not intimidating. You're like, I got my pants on. Right? Yeah, yeah I got, at least I got my <laughs> I pants, got pants on. on. I'm good. So uh, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. Uh, so when I graduated high school, I always got good grades, but I didn't go to college. I had a bunch of dead end jobs that I was pursuing wrestling. So I was wrestling on the weekends. I needed flexible schedule. Like where were you wrestling? What were the venues? Uh, I mean, started small. Uh, there, I never made it big time by any means. So like it was all, it was all like you know, 100 to 500 people venues. Uh, I've been out to like Connecticut, Vermont, Massachusetts, um, Delaware, New York, most like mostly just like the Northeast area. Did I never you, really- Did you have a wrestling name? I used, I so my name's Adam Joseph Badger. So I used the name AJ Bad, uh, which I thought was a cool name. And I also did um, like, I did backyard wrestling before I was a wrestler. Like I was I, like, I it was my life, dude. Like it was just everything. I was so obsessed with it. And I was working on these dead end jobs and I was eventually just like, I was not making money. And like my outside of wrestling life was just not fulfilling. Cause I was just not doing anything I liked. So I was like, well, training, I've always, I had been working out since I was 13. I had helped a couple friends learn how to work out and I enjoyed that. So then I was like, maybe I'll become a trainer. So I got my certification and the original story that I was going to was basically like, I got my certification. It was like, Oh, I'm gonna start my own thing because I was in, living in Cortland, New York at the time, and there was no gyms around it, like literally fucking nothing. So uh, I like started a website and like started building online programs and all this stuff, and I made zero dollars, and was like, well, oh shit, like I don't know what to do. So uh, when I my my point is like when I got the job at Vent Fitness as a personal trainer. If I had just stuck with starting my own business, maybe I would have eventually gotten well at it and like made money. But like I would have been doing it alone. I would have like have made that community. So like working in that gym environment, like dude, all those friends I made like were grooms in my wedding. Like I like there. It's just like it was a it was a great time in my life to be working there. And I eventually grew out of it. And then just a quick segue. So basically, that's my background. Is I had a NASM certification that means dick. And uh, I had no training experience when I got the job. And the only thing that got me the job was that I applied for the job and they, they didn't get back to me. And I kept calling and they calling go, who's and calling. AJ, who's, who's AJ, AJ Bad? Who's AJ Bad? <laughs> like, why is, this, why is he have a wrestling picture? I was like, but like, uh, I, right. I kept calling and calling and calling. And finally I went into the gym. I was like, I, like, did you get my application? And I did the interview and the guy was like, I'll be honest with you, you don't have any experience. You don't have a degree. I don't really like want to hire you, but you've been very persistent. I'm going to give you a shot. And like three weeks later, I see like a resume on the desk and it's Dan's resume. And it's like master's degree, strength conditioning certified, blah, blah. And I'm like, motherfucker. Like I was like, I'm going to, and because already everyone at the gym was already way better and more experienced than me anyway. And this guy was starting at the same time as me. And that's that imposter syndrome, that insecurity. I was just like, in my mind, I thought I was going to lose my job. Because they were hiring Dan, why would they need me? And like two and a half years later, I was Dan's boss. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good story.
The supplement industry is like the Wild West. The lack of regulations mean the supplements you purchase may not even contain the ingredients listed on the label, which is why I get my daily vitamins and supplements from Thorn. Thorn vitamins and supplements are made without compromise. Quality ingredients ensure your body optimally absorbs and digests your daily supplements, while in-house and third-party testing ensure you're getting exactly what you paid for. Thorne offers a variety of health tests reviewed by board-certified physicians that evaluate your lifestyle, gut health, sleep, stress hormones, and metabolic markers to determine which vitamins and supplements may be most effective in helping you feel and perform better throughout the day. For college and professional athletes, Thorne has NSF-certified supplements that make sure you won't get pop positive on a drug test. Whether you're an athlete, professional, parent, grandparent, or weekend warrior, Thorne's selection of high-quality supplements can help improve your quality of life. Switch to Thorne's high-quality and extensively tested supplements today at thorne.com backslash u backslash cdsf. That's thorne.com backslash u backslash cdsf. This episode of Off Exit 10 is brought to you by Anchor and the all-new Anchor Pro, crafted to endure the most high-performance workouts without the high cost and space requirements of a standard cable machine. Named the best portable cable machine by Men's Health Home Gym Awards, Anchor provides the full functionality of a cable machine in one small space-saving unit. Designed with user-friendliness in mind, Anchor can simply be attached to any squat rack or placed on any wall in your home gym using its intuitive sliding track mount. With up to 65 pounds of resistance, Anchor is built for high speed and controlled exercises alike, from cable presses and rows to chops and lifts. The Anchor has been a game changer for us here at CDSF, and now you can enjoy the same professional quality cable machine in your own home gym by heading over to anchortraining.com and using code CDSF10 for 10% off your order today. Get all the benefits of a cable machine without the high cost and installation fees. Enjoy the portable luxury and space-saving performance of Anchor today by going to anchortraining.com and using code code CDSF10 at checkout. That's anchortraining.com, promo code CDSF10 for 10% off your order today. That's great. But yeah, I, that, like, uh, I don't remember how that, that story got started, but yeah, that was my journey into it was that I had been working out for a long time. I thought it would be a fun job to have. I didn't plan on doing it full t- like for the rest of my career, but once I got into it, and, and this is something I talk to my clients a lot about is like, I wasn't articulating it this way at the time, but it was starting to learn and really articulate like what your core values are as a person. What is the lifestyle you want to live? And if I had kept pursuing wrestling, I would have been traveling a lot. I would have been gone all the time. I wouldn't be able to spend the time I do with my son now or my wife. And for me, that is more aligned with my core values than chasing, like trying to fill this void that I was chasing. So even now when I'm building my business, I have to really work hard to keep that in the forefront of my mind. Like, is this taking me away from my core values or putting me t- closer to them? Because if if I book myself solid and I'm traveling to seminars and all this stuff, like for what? Like for me, it's just like, no, I want to work, make money so I can save, provide. And then I just want to spend time with my family. Like I told you before I got here, I took my son to gymnastics. Like for me, it wouldn't be worth making another X amount of dollars today to not be able to do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you see this with this feel. I guess because you're younger when you get into it. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, that's where the burnout's probably so high. Like you're young, you're into it, you're hustling, you're hustling, and then finally it hits somebody. Like, what the fuck am I doing my yeah, life, with yeah. my life right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like how much time have you had to spend, I guess, just like working on yourself and learning about yourself to be able to like help your business grow and help your clients better and like be, you know, minimize stress? I haven't figured out the minimize stress thing yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's hard. I, I think it's more 
processing stress is is probably the the way I try to frame it for clients because a lot of the uh, most uh, most of my clients like it comes with the the territory right when you're coaching people it's you know it, it's kind of pricey so you're usually dealing with people who can afford it who are adults who have jobs who have kids so they're stressed all the time and I, and what I try to I've worked with therapists I've worked with mindset coaches I think that even if you're the most well put together person in the world that you could benefit from therapy it's kind of like working out it's like why wouldn't you do it like why wouldn't you try to talk to someone and get some help it doesn't always have to be like you're you're depressed so you need therapy it's like hey this is a big part of my life my brain i should probably like upkeep it by talking to someone who can help me upkeep it and what i learned through that process was that your body physiologically responds to stress based on your perception of the stress not the stress itself so like you know uh to give you an example if if i get cut off on the highway i I'm super chill about it. It doesn't freak me out like at all. I don't get road rage. I'm just like, ah, come on, right? To someone else getting cut off on the highway, they might blow a gasket and be like red in the face cursing at the person. The stress was the same. It's just that my perception of it wasn't, it's not a big deal. And his perception of it was that it's the end of the world. And if you were to dig into why that is, it's probably some sort of insecurity or deeper trauma or whatever. So you just have to learn to breathe through it and process stress in the moment and ask yourself, like, is this a life or death situation? If you can put yourself into a, a mindset where this is not life or death, this is not going to be affecting my life in a year from now, um, and kind of look at things through that lens, it really helps you figure out when it's time to freak out and when it's not. Yeah, I think it gives you tools to recognize things, too. Yeah. I was talking to Jordy yesterday. I'm really obsessive. Are you obsessive? Obsessive how? Like, with whatever I'm doing. Like fucking obsessive with we're redoing the space in the gym yeah because we've just been growing quicker than i thought things were getting too crowded ask paul and dan they deal with my obsessiveness every fucking day mm -hmm. and we had the realization we need to reorganize the gym well my brain was not going to stop thinking about reorganizing the yeah. gym until we had a plan and we purchased stuff and i said this is you know <laughs> this is how we're going to reorganize the gym yeah. you agree paul yeah because and i dan, feel like the first time we talked about it you're like all right we'll like talk about it and like a couple weeks and then literally the next day you're like, like all right we, we like talk give dan the mic because yeah you guys deal with me a lot wait and is, I this, appreciate his first, both of is you. this his first appearance on the podcast number two number two, number two oh, for yeah. dan jones no, when, we, when we first started yeah, get nice and close to that mic when we first started talking about it we were we we kind of like in our heads spaced it out uh and then mike walked away and i thought to myself what did we just do? <laughs> I said, we're not going to be able to talk to Mike for, for at least a few weeks until we figure this thing out. I knew right away that yeah. that was what was about to go down. And I and talked on. to Paul. We, we knew. Yeah. We are like, yeah, so, that's exactly what's happening. So Two days later, I'm measuring out with chalk on the floor. Like, okay, this is where squat rack one's going to go. This is where squat rack two is going to go. I'm like, dude, Mike, stay I mean, over there. That's so, that's so valuable, though, that you guys have the team, though. Yeah, that's huge. That's, that's great. But where that goes is my obsessiveness is – you know, through therapy and years of, you know, just working myself and, and making mistakes and learning, I, I, I recognize that that's my personality. And sometimes I can kind of halt it and slow it and, and be more realistic about situations. And sometimes I struggle and I can't. Yeah. So the past couple of weeks has been me just blinders on, obsessing about redoing the space. And then that just kind of puts me in the mode where I'm obsessing about everything else. I got to clear my board of programs every day. Think about Dude, it, guys. He's been a machine on programs right? like the last like two days. But, so <laughs> for me, when that happens, I'm like task, complete it, fucking dopamine hit, task, completed, dopamine hit. Yeah. So I'm riding high for two weeks, Yeah. but I'm not recognizing anything else in my life. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then when that happens, it takes one incident 
to crash me. Like we had somebody tweak their back in the gym the other day mm -hmm. and bro, that just, it shouldn't have derailed me. It happens. It's a normal thing. And it threw me for a fucking loop. Yeah. It was just like, now my obsessiveness shifted to that. And it was just like dopamine depleted. Yeah. And it was just like depression like that in a second. And you're like, that's not healthy. Well, that's no, not that, real, that, but now that you explained it, like, yeah, I totally get that, dude. Cause like, and if you were to dig into that too, is like with the obsessive thing, it's probably a little bit of like, you know, you want to feel like you got your hands on the wheel. Yeah. Right. And then also with the, with the client tweaking the back, I know for me, any sort of negative thing from a client, I'm like, well, my business is going down the shitter now. Yep. Like this is good. Like I've, and, and every time it doesn't go down the shitter, you would think you would learn from that and go, okay, that's not, but it, but your your brain is trying to protect you from like when I grew up, I grew up with, with without money and and finances were a huge stress in my life my entire childhood. That is the that that and feelings of inadequacy are like the two things that that drive all of my ambition and success that I've had in my life, right? Now, the the positive end, like with you, is that it allows you to do the things you're doing. So you're not a complacent person who's just gonna punch a clock and go home. But there's the other side of it. Like we were talking about before we started recording, there's always fucking trade-offs. And the trade-off is, is that you you ride these highs and then you ride these lows and, and balancing those out is, is tough. And I know for me, I could be same thing. I like the the dopamine hit of like, I'm getting these done. I'm getting these tasks yeah, done. Like, man. That's my addiction. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. there could be worse addictions. But like, yes. like for me, I'm like, you could be Hideki Matsui with all the porn. But like, <laughs> but like, uh, somebody somebody Google that. This guy. You I want me to Google morning. that on your, on, your, on your laptop right now? Well, just Google like no, Hideki no, Matsui porn as collection. As long as you have Hideki I, Matsui yeah, we're in on our work IP. Jordan, you do it. That yeah. way it's not on Paul. It's on but, you. But like when you're doing that, right? You're, do, you're getting that dopamine hit over and over and like, over. Wait a minute. Even if you get a hundred of those, they're like they're they're brief. They're they're not long lasting. They're not sustainable. And then what happens is when you get the the client who tweaks their back or the person who is on a six month contract and they want to cancel at two months. That's real, right? yeah. And then all your attention goes there, and you're ignoring all this other data that says that things are okay because your brain is trying to protect you and going alert, alert, alert. So in those moments. What helps me is talking about it to a level-headed person, or just breathing through it and being like, "If you can come back to again those core values and your and and what you're doing, if you know you're doing the right thing, you know you were you were doing everything you could for that client. It was just a, a freak accident. You can come back to the fact that like, all right, if I'm using my realistic brain, my logical brain, this is not going to derail my entire business. But it's that emotional brain, that trauma mm -hmm. brain, that's like." you're going to have to start from scratch. You're providing for a family. Listen, like, mm -hmm. like that's the stuff that you have to work through. And I find working with clients that that leads, that drives their food choices, their alcohol choices, their workout choices. It's all fucking trauma related. It's crazy. And trauma doesn't always mean anything huge. Like you were abused or, or you, or you were uh, involved in something crazy. It's just things that affected you. Really. That's all it is. So if you can, I start to make those connections and be aware of them. It it just helps a bit, but you, it's like working out though. You can't stop. You just have to keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. Jordan Hideki Matsui's traumas led him to fifty five thousand pornos. What is that? What is a porno though? Like, like a, a magazine, a DVD, a film. A film. A film. How do you have room? That's a lot. 
of DVDs. What do you mean? Dude, he's he Godzilla. He's Hub? probably got the a giant mansion. How does he have more than Pornhub? I feel that would be the biggest I think he runs Pornhub. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. We should probably look up the like CEO of Pornhub at some point. But like, yeah, man, I think that I think that that is I think that as guys especially we have to be aware of those things especially when we're raising kids because like it wasn't a thing for like 20 years ago for guys to be like hey i'm i have trauma and this is why i do these things like i don't think that i think there's a balance i don't i don't like the whole like victim mentality and just being a bitch about everything but i think at the end of the day like you can't bottle all that stuff in and act like it's not a big deal because then you pass that on yeah and i don't I, i there's a lot of stuff about me that i want my son to have and there's a lot of stuff about me that i don't want my son to have and I, that's what has made me more aware of it over the years. Yeah, that's so true. But it's the balance because you're right. Like we need – I'll take, for example, us and high school kids in here. Yeah. Like part of what makes us really good is that we're not like a lot of other coaches they have that only see them as an athlete on the field. Like yeah. we're viewing them as the whole person and we're listening to them and learning about their life and being empathetic. But on the other side of the coin, like you do need to build a degree of resiliency and yep. toughness. So it's like the balance of having empathy, but being like, you're being soft right now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I, what I always come back to when I'm working with clients is there's just things that need to get done if you want the goal to happen. And we can work through the reasons why you're not doing them and we can talk about those, but at the end of the day, they still have to get done. So it's like doing your laundry or brushing your teeth or showing up to work. Like, you manage to do all of those things even on your worst day. So the nutrition and the workouts, they have to be there as well. Now, I think for a lot of people, uh, this is this is a whole hill that I'm always willing to die on too. It's just like, I think the fitness industry just gets like uh, not enough credit. It doesn't get enough credit for what we do. I think that nutrition and training are like two of the most, just like therapy are the two of the well, most, you know, three of the most important things you can yeah, invest I in your think, time in. Paul, can you give me some death wish, please? Um, yeah, I think- Is that we'll what just, that is? Yeah, that's blueberry death wish. If you want some, Paul, pour up a solo cup for Adam. Do you want some? Sure, yeah. It's, this is really, Jordan, Matty D used to tell me this was the best coffee ever, and I just, I would get him some, I would ignore that I'd never have it, and it is the best coffee I've had, taste-wise. I've never had blueberry coffee in my life. Yeah, it's like black and buried, I think it's called, from Death Wish, or blue and buried. You want this, like... No, give me, like, a quarter, half, whatever you put in there is probably right. good. It's, it's probably a lot good of caffeine. Yeah, it's, it's good for me. Too. Thank you. Thank you, man. But, yeah, I think that... How much do you want in here? Half a cup? Half a cup's good, thank you. But think about... You'll be off the walls. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm, my plan is to hit a lift when I get home from here. Oh, you'll be ready. Oh, my God. Ready. You'll, you'll be prepared. You might have to shit, but you'll be ready. <laughs> I, shit, I shit when I got here. Yeah, well, that death, wish, that death wish might make you have to do that again. It's always like you're about to deadlift and you're like, I got to shit. Dude, I've, never I've gotten lift, better though. at this, but ask Dan, Dan when we used to work out together. Between warm up and the first working set of deadlift, I would shit like four times. <laughs> That's that pre workout. I, I, I remember we went to um, our buddy Josh lived in Cohoes in the lofts I think it was yep. and they had a just a a rank uh, you know a decent a, a gym, decent gym it was for apartment it was yeah. a decent gym there was like free weights and, and like barbells and plates and everything so we like we, so we go so we go there to work out with Josh at, at this gym and we're like getting ready we're getting warmed up and then Adam's like gone in the <laughs> apartment complex and we were like warming up with deadlifts and by the time 
from the time Adam disappeared to when he came back out, we had already gotten yelled at by like the apartment complex staff for like dropping the bar. And Adam comes out, there's no idea because he's in the bathroom. For, I don't even, I don't even know. But <laughs> ten, I think he got ten lost. minutes tops. <laughs> I think he got lost. I think he got lost. It was, it was, a, it was a foreign building. He'd never been there before. <laughs> he left the bathroom. Came, but then I and came went back, back, and then I he deadlifted back. more than all of us. And it was <laughs> I came back and hit five hundred for five, and then I was like, "That's why you're getting in trouble." <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right. This, yeah, these fields in the in the, I don't want to say the public eye, people appreciate what we do in certain populations or if you, yeah. if you are mm-hmm. into fitness. But I guess as a whole, our country, it's like fitness and nutrition are preventative measures. Yeah. But our, mm-hmm. our country doesn't operate from a healthcare standpoint on preventative measures. We focus on like get sick and then medicate and then we'll deal with it then. I think I think that's part of it too. And I honestly, I think it's... Um, I think it's partially the industry's fault as well because mm-hmm. the way that it's advertised most of the time, why would you take it seriously? Like, why would you take it seriously if like, think about not don't think about us people who know behind the scenes stuff and know like the good quality coaches. Think about the average consumer, the way that fitness mm-hmm. and nutrition is advertised. But it's this- like this thing that some people do that are these like you know hot people that they do it and it's like this a certain like lifestyle okay but our let's go back to our original talk because this is how you make your living you're really good at it you've become successful you built a clientele but is our view of this or people's view of this lacking because like people view physical therapy or doctors or the lack of licensure process i'm saying is that why people have a bad view of it i think that's i think that's part of it and i'm not pro having a licensure process i Um, think i think there should be more barriers to entry in the field um you know i i definitely think it it is but it's 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 like i don't think there's one thing but that's that's part of it and also like to be a doctor you have to have those prerequisites to be a fitness coach you don't. And then what happens is there are a lot of people who make it really, who become really successful because what happens is if you advertise in a certain way, you grow faster. Whereas a doctor, once you, once you go, th- once you get your prerequisites, you start off making what mid to high six figures. Yeah. So like now you don't, you're not, doctors aren't out there selling themselves. Yeah, they're they're not, not like slutting it out. For they're clients. not slutting it. Like they're not making <laughs> fucking Instagram reels. Like I made a, I had to post an Instagram reel today. Like I don't, they're not enjoying, I'm not like, Oh my God, I can't wait to post my Instagram reel. But like, I think we have to present ourselves in a more professional manner. Um, but at the end of the day, I think a lot of people, the way they approach this, it's just their, what they've accepted as normal is like, to me, I've never understood so what like, you, for, what do you mean by presented as normal? Or accepted as accepted, normal. yeah, yeah. So like, what the average person accepts as normal is, ah, uh, your metabolism, your metabolism slows down as you get older. Ah, uh, this is you know, this is forty and tapping their beer belly. Right, or, oh, I'm supposed to be achy. And yeah, hurt. I'm achy. I'm you know, I I'm on meds, or it's hard to eat healthy, or they want to drink beer on the weekends, they want to sit all day, and and I think they're just accepting that that's normal. They accept that they're supposed to feel like shit. And I've had conversations with clients. Like I have one client who I reference a lot because he's been with me probably, he's probably my second longest tenured client. But if you take into account the fact that he trains me, you know, on average three to five times a week, he's probably my the client I've seen the most in my entire career. He's very successful. You know, he's the CEO of a big company, does well, good dad, good good father, uh, good husband. And he was, he's 56 years old. You guys have seen me post about him probably. And one time we were just having a conversation. This is like four or five years into training. 
And he was he said something about how he was with this uh, a networking event. And he was talking about like, yeah, we're just a bunch of old fat guys, blah, blah, blah. And I said, dude, this is your problem. I was like, you're not an old fat guy. I'm like, you're 55 years old. You can deadlift 470. You're pretty lean. You can jump on a 30-inch box. You're in here five days a week working out when all of your colleagues are sleeping. I was like, you have to work on this fucking identity thing because that's what's holding you back because you are talking to these other guys like you're one of them, but you're not. Like maybe career-wise you are, but like you're not an old fat guy. You have to get that out of your head. Now, at this point, I was very comfortable with him like to say that. Like I wouldn't say it on his first day, but like that's the type of conversations that you have to have with people is like, is the identity that you're accepting like what you actually want? Like for me, I make this, I say this to my wife all the time. Like my biggest fear is becoming like the sitcom husband. Like the dude with the beer belly who's out of shape. King who's of Queens. Got, who, Kevin yeah. James. Well, no, so a dude, but across the board, uh, Kevin James, like uh, Ray Barone, like all of them. And that thought literally like gives me, like makes my stomach turn of like being that dude. And because I, I just can't, I'm unwilling to accept that as normal. And I think a lot of people, that's what normal is. And and it goes across the board. Forget about health. Like, that's how they accept their marriages. That's how they accept they, their job is. Yeah. You know, am I going too deep with this? No, this yeah, is yeah, great. Yeah. No, I love it. But yeah, I know people who are our age who just like accept their marriage as a thing. Like, I'm just married. And yeah. that's that. Not any deeper of a, of a thing than that in terms oh, yeah. of a relationship with an individual yeah. and building something with an individual. Yeah. And same with their job. Yeah, this is my job. I, it pays the bills and one and of the most depressing that. things I ever heard was I I was in the gym <laughs> working out uh, not working out uh, working and one of my clients was a retired uh, teacher and this is nothing against teachers this is just uh, this particular individual he was interacting with another guy who had just started his first teaching job like right out of college and the guy was probably you know I don't know how old you are when you become a teacher at 23 yeah you're probably right out of college yeah so the 23 year old said to him he's like yep only 30 years till retirement yeah, that's wild and I was like I'd fucking kill myself <laughs> like like <laughs> I would like that would and not because he's a teacher but it's that mentality of like only 30 years till I get to end like um, till I'm done and granted I have days where my job is stressful where I'm like oh my god I wish I didn't have to do this but at the end but I like this I'm um, right now this is part of my work day like, this is awesome. And I've created that reality, but it's not been without sacrifices and trade-offs. And I, and I have a list of sacrifices and trade-offs that I make on a regular basis to be able to prioritize the things that I prioritize, which are my family, my job, and my health. And there's a lot of things I say no to to be able to continue to keep those things at the forefront of my mind. Yeah, that's true. I think, uh, and yes, I am like much more introverted than I am extroverted. Yeah. I can, you know, switch over to my more extroverted self in here when yeah. when I'm when I'm coaching groups. But it's kind of I think part of that my my intro being an introvert socially is that I've almost had to develop that over the years from working like in group settings yeah. with people all day and I get home and I just I have nothing left. Yeah. Nothing left to give. Yeah, and I th I think too is I, it's also just you know where do you want to put that energy? Because you, like you said, you have a bandwidth. You can only give it to so many people. And like I know for me, I'm not saying this is the right way to live your life, but for me, this is with the phase of life that I'm in. In order to make good money, be there for my clients, be a good husband, be a good dad, which in all of those areas I'm not perfect in and I've, I've, I've made mistakes and I, I try to learn from them, I'm not 
doing other shit. Not to say that it's wrong, I'm not judging, but like I'm not having beers with the boys. Like Dan's one of my closest friends. This is the second time I've seen him in three years. Like, like, because uh, we're both busy. And the other time, Dan asked you for help. And, and Dan, yeah, because Dan asked me for help, right? And he lured me in with a workout. <laughs> so, but like, when I was 26 and single and didn't have a son and didn't have a house or a business, I went out to dinner with my friends two or three nights a week and had a, a an awesome social life. So, every like, Friday. Yeah, yeah, every Friday. So you just what but, would Dan get to eat? Oh, one time he got a grilled cheese sandwich at a restaurant. <laughs> A girl, and it was, the, yeah, was it delicious? Uh, absolutely, but I, <laughs> but I think the I think the number one thing, like number one meal that gets brought up every time we go out to eat, is if I get a salad. Caesar, ask me if no, I it's want, a Caesar salad. Well, well, if I get a Caesar salad, what are you going to ask me? If no, I no, want? yeah, because one time he said he ordered a Caesar salad. He's like, Caesar salad goes good with beer, and then, <laughs> but he said it like four times during the meal. And I'm like, we get it. <laughs> like, we get it. So every time he sits down, it'll be like, order a Caesar salad like, with a beer. Or it's like, like you're okay. light, no, you but it's, but it's, it's dance. So he orders the beer first. I'm like, what are you going to Caesar salad with that? <laughs> hey, That's fairly accurate. Nine years old? He's like a, a Caesar salad. We can bring him above a six-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Right? I remember he got, he got a grilled cheese sandwich one time, and it was at like a nicer restaurant. And it had like, so it had like three different cheeses on it. Ooh, it oh, I remember It wasn't this. just like Kraft Singles. It was, and one of them was like Havarti cheese. That was the one. It was so the he, Druthers. Yeah, so he started like <laughs> coughing at one point during the meal. And I, and I remember I was like, he's, his body's re- rejecting the Havarti. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if it, if, it, if it wasn't for Adam, I wouldn't even eat sweet potatoes. Oh, yeah. I got and it, to try and sushi it, too. It oh, came wow. in the form of uh, sweet Sweet potato tater tots. Yeah, and, I mean they are. Delicious. And to this day, my wife. To this day, my wife gets pissed because she would get me to. She would want me to try like sweet potatoes all the time. I'm like, no, gross. No, I don't. Uh, want dude, when I first met my wife, I was like, I'm never gonna have an iPhone, and I'm never gonna have Metcons because everyone has them, and now I have an iPhone and Metcons. <laughs> Jen, Jen does force feed me vegetables at times, so <laughs> you can thank her if I live to be a little bit older. <laughs> This episode of Off Exit 10 is brought to you by Drink Alchemy. Fatigue and brain fog affect us all, destroying everything we pursue. Whether as an athlete, artist, creator, or entrepreneur, our mind holds the key to performing optimally. By combining the most potent organic nootropics found in nature, Drink Alchemy delivers sustainable boost to creativity, memory, energy, and focus in one epic beverage. Stop pumping your body full of excessive amounts of caffeine and unknown proprietary blends from other energy drinks and get clean energy from Drink Alchemy's natural nootropics like lion's mane, L-theanine, and caffeine from green tea. Used by Olympians, D1 athletes, MMA fighters, and entrepreneurs, Drink Alchemy has become a huge part of my daily routine making sure I'm functioning optimally during long days of coaching athletes, running CDSF, and getting in quality workouts myself. So do yourself a favor and ditch the energy drinks loaded with caffeine, other stimulants, and who knows what else, and head over to drinkalchemy.com today. Live with your mind unbound and save 10% off your order by using code CDSF at checkout. That's drinkalchemy.com, promo code CDSF for 10% off your order today. Um, yeah, man, I, I just think you, I think if you're, if you know, the guys who listen to this, if they're like younger dudes or or maybe they're in their, you know, late 20s, early 30s and they're, they're trying to like balance everything, I think the ultimate balance in life is balancing your expectations with realistic sacrifices, you know what I mean? So, or realistic things that you can do. That's the balance. Balance is like, oh, I spend equal amount of time at work or equal amount of time at home. It's like, what are your expectations and what are you, realistically able to do to meet those expectations. So if we're going to use like a, a fitness example, if someone says, I want to, you know, compete in powerlifting, but I only want to work out once a week, the the actions and the expectations don't match up. 
So you have to balance that out. You have to say, okay, the expectation is you're only going to work out once a week and you're probably not going to be a powerlifter, right? Or you could say the expectation is you want to be a powerlifter, but now you have to work out three to five times a week. And I think for me, it's like, okay, if I want to grow a seven-figure business, I probably wouldn't be able to be able to take my son to gymnastics today. So for me, that's a trade-off. I don't, I'm not pushing to grow that business. I, I, for me, ideally, I like my business to marginally grow year to year. I'm willing to take it slow. Uh, if it means I'm able to, like yesterday it snowed and my son, when he woke up, like I was already awake, but my wife was like, the first thing he said was he wanted to throw snowballs at you. So I was able to take him outside for an hour to throw snowballs in the, at nine o'clock in the morning, which I wouldn't be able to if I was like, no, I've got to hardcore grow my business right now, you know? But I've, yeah. but I've kind of earned that like through years of sacrificing things that like, because then on the weekends, I'm never like, sorry, babe, I'm going to watch football with the boys at the bar. Like, I don't do that shit. Like, I'm not saying that that's wrong, but I just don't do that because I'm trying to balance my life a little bit, you know? Yeah, that's real. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like asking help or talking to somebody to help figure out those expectations. Yeah. Like, Paul does all the scheduling here. Like, dude, I... It, sa it saved me over the last year or year, whatever, whenever we started it. It's mm -hmm. like, dude, I'd fucking be here. I don't even all... know when I started it. There was just one day I was like, I, I, I got to figure this out. I'm yeah. Like, we're not maximizing no our hours here. Yeah, yeah. Paul's like, we're just doing it. And What's... it was. <laughs> yeah, man. I, that's, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's good. Because I know the, the way you've described yourself, you'd probably just be here all the time. Well, yeah. But not now, probably that you have a kid, but like, yeah, but that's, like before... that's changed things where, like, yeah, now, like, I, I want to get home as quickly as possible yeah. to be with her. Unless it's after, I tell Paul, unless it's after 6 30, because then see, our daughter's asleep and Sam's on her phone, so, like, I could be here. Or yeah, Mike, Mike <laughs> the same up, thing. He'll be like, dude, it's 6 30. What do you need me to do? <laughs> what, what, do you need me to clean the bathrooms? You need me to, you need me to <laughs> do the board? What do you want me to do? The funny, <laughs> the funny thing is, is that, like, uh, me and my wife talk about this a lot because uh, we had a kid to be parents, we didn't have a kid to have a kid. And I think that a yeah. lot of times people have kids to have kids. Oh, this is good. It's like people get married to get married. Yeah. Like I, I didn't want to have married and have kids. Uh, and and I, I was open about that for most of my 20s. And then I met my wife and through dating her and, and building a, a relationship with her, I was like, oh, I, I want to get married. I didn't get married because I thought I had to. I was like, oh, no, no I, I want to. Mm -hmm. When we had a son or when we had a kid, we didn't know it was going to be a boy, obviously, when we got pregnant. But like when we had a kid, like – we're like, we want to be parents and we're very, very passionate about being very present. Probably, I don't know if it's a fault, but like, we're just, we're in it, dude. Like, and not saying like, I, I, I this is like a, a privilege that we've been able to build this lifestyle, but like, we don't have, like our moms never watch our son. Our son goes to uh, a Waldorf, like it's called like a forest school. Like he goes, it's like an, mostly outdoors, but he mm -hmm. goes for three hours, three times a week. So nine hours a week, he's not with us. The rest of the week, it's all us. We don't have a nanny, we don't have a babysitter, we don't ask for help. And I'm not saying that with a badge of honor, that's the right way to do things. I just like, for us, we had a lot of, we struggled a lot to have a child. So like when we finally had one, we were like, okay, we're just gonna be in it. And if that means we go on less vacations or like, you know, I drive a fucking Nissan Rogue. Like I'm not buying a new car. Like like we're willing to make those sacrifices now because it's just not our time now to do the things we were, we can't just book a trip to Cabo and go yeah, get I, drunk in Cabo listen, for a I, week. <laughs> I, I can relate because I think sometimes it took us took us three years to have our daughter. We ended up doing IVF, wow. a couple of rounds it didn't work, third round worked. Um, but I think sometimes like would I feel differently about being a dad and having a child if we didn't go through all those struggles? Like 
I, I feel like you, like I'm making sure I'm so present. I'm enjoying every moment. I'm so thankful that there's a living yeah. baby in front of us that we get to take care of. And I'm, dude, I'm sure you're, you're guilty of this too, as I am, is sometimes I do take it for granted. Sometimes he is being wild and I need to get work done and I'm getting frustrated. Uh, and I, and, and I, I have to remind myself that like in 10 years, I'm not going to look back and go, man, I wish I spent less time with my son. Now, again, that just back to the discussion before the trauma thing, that all is just trauma responses. Like for me, when I, when I'm not able to do those tasks that we're talking about, in my mind, that's my hands slipping off the wheel. And that's like, in my head, I'm three steps away from like being on welfare when I'm not, right? right. But in my head, because I've been to a welfare offense when I was a kid, I know what that lifestyle is like. I think that it is like two steps that way. So I'm walking on a tightrope all the time, mentally. Logically, if I, you know, you know, we are not rich by any means, but we do well enough. We're fine. We can pay all our bills. We can save and we can, we are putting money away for our future. But like, for me, it's like when I'm not able to get those work things done, I start stressing out. And then, so then I have to remind myself, like, what's going to impact him more? Me stressing out right now or me working and me, you know, me stressing out is what's going to impact him. So like, I have to like go, yes, we can do you can throw a snowball at my face five more times. Like, <laughs> yes, we can. We, yes, I'll take him to gymnastics when I have like, you know, stuff to do. So I don't know. I think that's that's what balance is, is just like figuring out what your priorities are and then aligning your actions with those priorities, which took me until my 30s to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm still I'm still fucking working on yeah. it. Well, every like, day. Yeah. You're always going to be. Yeah. You know, well, I think we've asked other coaches in here. How do you know what music to play when you have when you're training people? Uh, when it's one on, I mean, the simple answer is I just ask them. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, what, what do you yeah, like you do a lot of one on one. Yeah. See, ours but, is but even in the group, honestly, cause like I still do some group coaching. I have a corporate wellness thing that I do and it's usually between, uh, you know, five and 10 people. So it's, it's kind of similar, kind of that small group. And I'll just, I'll try to ask people like, give me some music suggestions. And if I don't, if I think it sucks, I'll just tell them like, no, I'm not putting that on. But like I would say, what's my, that in I, here, Paul? I, I've done that. <laughs> yeah, tell, tell, tell me one that somebody's given you, Paul. You're like, uh, fuck this. Somebody asked for a Doja Cat song, and I was like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. So not having it. I, I sent out. A, I remember this one girl from uh, from the group stuff that I do. She sent me like an email with like song suggestions because I had sent out an email to everyone like, hey, send me some song suggestions. And you could tell like the first five were like workout song suggestions, and then she just started listing songs that she liked. <laughs> So it was like Dave Matthews band and like uh like what's the the Lumineers? I was like, this isn't workout music. We're not putting that on. So, I think the Lumineers is terrible. Is I, I, I can listen to them. Can you? I, I can listen to like no, three or four of their songs. Five. I probably can't. No. So like I have. So don't put it on, Jordan. <laughs> so here, what music is the music that you listen to when you lift different from what you play for your clients? Almost no. Uh, See, mine is different. The music I listen to when you lift versus what you play when for your clients, uh, slightly, but not really. Yeah, it's like ballpark the same. Why? What like what do you play when you lift? So like when I'm when so if I'm training clients, it's usually like I mean it's the 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 stereotypical gym songs. It's like you know Rage Against the Machine or Metallica or Drake or Tupac or DMX or Eminem, like all the the normal shit. Um, for me, I have my playlist that has all that stuff on what, it that what I you, would listen what to. What do you Spotify or Apple? Spotify. Is Drake on your like wrapped like most listened to? Dude, people? It, it was. I was shocked about it too because 
Yeah. I was like, I, I feel like it's <laughs> we all were. I feel like it's hacked because I was like, I definitely don't listen to that much Drake. Well, I feel like Jordan felt the same way. Jordan's been very vocal about not loving Drake. You, I don't yeah. like, I don't like new Drake. Same, likewise. Yeah. And I, I found Drake was my number third most played artist. Who's I, number I do, one? I do nothing. Uh, James Blake. James, who's that again? He's a British like electronic pop artist. Okay. Uh, but anyway, I'm like I actively dislike Drake, and he was my num- he was my number three most played artist. <laughs> here's, here's, here's why. Here's why my Spotify is is not a good measure of this is because I use it for clients uh, and I use it for my son. So like the Tarzan soundtrack is also like in my top three. I was three. gonna say is Baby Shark your like number <laughs> no, one dude, most played song? I've I've made it a point to like only expose him to stuff that i can tolerate so like <laughs> so like do you ever you ever watch uh miss rachel with him i've never you, heard of it oh, i'm into miss rachel paul google miss rachel miss rachel halloween i've never i've never heard of miss rachel oh she's like a youtube teaching oh, so, person but like i guess it's educational miss rachel don't, halloween don't play it just what she's wearing like i'm just into it for how she looks but i guess she's educational for the kids <laughs> that's all no, I, 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 I don't put, I don't put any YouTube shit on for him. Like he watches, like, um, he'll watch stuff. Like his favorite movie is The Sandlot. So oh, like, so like, oh, so that's like, so that's something I could like tolerate. Like I won't put on stuff that I can't tolerate. Yeah. Um. But for the rat, for the the songs though, I have like my bro workout playlist that I'll play. Like like if like me and Dan were gonna lift together. Like I have that stuff, and then I have like me lifting alone at like 5 a.m. playlist, which is like more like sad, depressing songs, which is like some acoustic stuff, some like breakup songs, some like like stuff like that. But um, yeah, so I, that stuff will get me amped too. I'll get into like, I'll get like into a dark place for some of those, for those lifts, which is fun. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I think, I don't know, Bruno Mars was on here the other day. Yeah. And we did like maybe five, 10 minutes of it. And then another Bruno Mars song came on. And I went and changed it, and somebody asked me why. I go, it's just too happy for me. Yeah, I don't, I can't, I can't function on that frequency. I can't do the happy, the happy lifting. It's got to be angry or sad it, or some sort of emotion that, because no one ever gets really happy and then does some yeah. like physical. Or like thing. for me, I, <clears throat> I love to lift to future. Oh, the I, rapper, I can, yeah, and, yeah. But and like future music is just, it's just like fucking toxic and like (laughs) like, but like i fucking love it yeah 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 it's uh i gotta i don't i don't know too many future songs i know like i know like the big ones like the popular ones but i gotta get into some of these like you give me future or 50 cent and i think there was a college kid in here a couple years ago and we had on we had on i think we were playing like songs off of dirty sprite it was dirty sprite too jay put on what's the name of the gucci flip-flop song um i heard that lyric but play that in a second percocet the the kid came up to me i was just like dude i was just thinking like if somebody just found paper with all these lyrics like written out from this album they'd be like we gotta stop this guy (laughs) this guy's a menace he's a menace (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, like this. This is what I got to lift to. Like this. This is like the vibe I got to lift to. I can, yeah, I can get into this, definitely. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's, this that's, is it. Oh, it's thought it was a draft. That's what it was. It's the intro track. I think he's talking about like having sex with two girls and they're real sisters. You're just like, dude, <laughs> not okay at all. It's just like that's what this whole album's like. Sometimes I feel like he probably 
comes up with lyrics that rhyme and doesn't really think that much into it. Like he probably just rhymed real sisters with something else and didn't didn't consent didn't overthink like <laughs> the, well uh, the, I don't know. The sisters. story of his uh, Gucci flip flops is pretty infamous. Wasn't that like Scotty Pippen? Yeah, yeah, but he le- like he legitimately walked in the studio with Gucci flip flops and, and just literally was just like. Do you have that one on there, Jay? <laughs> What's it called? I heard thought, that it was, thought like it was a, a drought. I heard that story from him. He was like, it did it on. It was like an Instagram reel. He was talking yeah. about that. It was. I was dying, and I was also like, "Why is Future's regular voice auto tuned? Like, <laughs> have you drank that much uh, dirty Sprite?" Yeah. yeah, this is. It. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> he walked in the studio and he's like, "This is what I'm gonna say." But like, uh, yeah, like this is my vibe. I need when uh, I'm yeah, working I, out. Dirty yeah. Sprite Two is definitely a top played album for my workouts. One thing I miss about not having my own business is being able to just work out and not be thinking about work yeah because like you work out where you work and i still work out where i work yeah so sometimes i'm like looking at like emails and shit in between go ahead sorry i'll let this hit and then uh but but paul does a good job of that yeah. we'll talk about that in a second yeah for sure yeah, yeah. is that is that the same girl who's marrying Michael Jordan's son now? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes, yes, Jesus, that's a wild Jesus. Uh, but yeah, like I, uh, that was one of the things I loved about when I worked in New York City was I could go to any New York sports club to work out. Oh yeah. So when I had those breaks in my day, I sometimes I would work out at my gym depending on how long of a break I had. But some a lot of times I would be like, I need to go to a different gym that also had more stuff because the gym that I worked out that I worked at mm-hmm. was only good because of the people that worked there. Like the equipment was not great. Oh, uh, okay. It yeah, was yeah. like that we had like the shit shitty turf and like also like equipment that was from like when Arnold worked out. So <laughs> I was like, great, awesome. But we got the job done. And uh so I would go to different gyms. And like now, like I pay for a membership at ABC Fitness because there's times where like or like on like Mondays and Thursdays I don't come in till later. Yeah. And it's like, I could come in and work out at 12, but as soon as I walk in that door, my work brain's going Yeah, I love that yeah. you do that. I think that's, I think that's Dude, huge. I, I, yeah, but when I first started my business, I was, um, I, I started my business like with 24 hours notice. Like I was like, I had a job and then didn't have a job. And I was like, I guess I got to start my own thing now. So um, I was subleasing space at like a CrossFit gym and I, they were super cool. There was, it was a good gym, but I just like, I didn't like working out there. So I used to have a membership to ABC and I would like go to ABC and work out. And again, this is before having a kid. And so like, I just had that time, right? Yeah. So like now I'm, I I have a training student in my garage. I have everything you need in there, but like, I, that's where I work out. So it's convenient, but it's also like, it's kind of cold. It's, you know, I'm still at home. I can sometimes hear him like in the kitchen, knocking on the door, like wanting to come outside. So it's like, I just, I really, one of my goals is to like design my life where I can get that like 90 minutes to go to a box gym, like an ABC or an, even a YMCA and just like put on headphones, not talk to anybody yep. and just get an awesome workout in. I also kind of miss machines. I haven't used machines in forever. So that's, I, that's also part of it too. Yeah. yeah. You know I, what? I don't you don't have, have to again. warm up as much. Like I've, you just, I just hop on sort of busting out some rows. <laughs> I've thought about this press. more because when <laughs> oh, I, I, I fir- miss leg press. <laughs> when I first got into this industry in like the early 2010s, like I've really, I've worked at a couple commercial gyms, but other than that, it's been like functional training style yeah. gyms where there's no machines. Yeah. And machines, machines have, are coming back. Machines have a lot of merit. I think that it's like low, 
low stress on joints. Yeah. And when you're just talking about like hypertrophy of tissue, yeah. like why would you not use machines? Yeah. Like, very safe. There's not an, uh, an aspect of balance or being unstable. Yeah. And nobody's going to really get hurt. I think they're making a comeback, though. They are. Because like, even like the functional people nowadays, yes. like they have a belt squat. Yep. They, they have like a T-bar row. Like they're coming back. Like those are the, I don't know. Yeah, like I, I miss that environment a lot. Um, now, like, like today, I got to do lower body. So I got to do RDLs. I got to do front squats. I got to do lunges. Like I'm going to need a few minutes to warm up. It's going to be cold in my garage. Mm -hmm. Like... I could just go hit some leg extensions and hamstring curls and a leg press and be happy <laughs> and, yeah. wa and warm. <laughs> yeah, and warm. But yeah, I think that like in here, I could give you a million reasons from a training adaptation standpoint why they'd be great for all our clients. But then from a spacing standpoint, I'd be like, I have no good reasons for you. Yeah. That's yeah. the hard part. Yeah, I, I, think, I think at the end of the day, like uh, most of the machines – that I would want to use, I wouldn't buy for my And plus gym. they're very high cost for like, what, yeah, to be able to do one thing or two different things. Yeah, and there's also ways for a lot of them, there's probably things that you could do that can mimic that. Like mm -hmm. for like, what's it called? Like the Hatfield squat, like where you're holding onto this squat yeah. rack. Yeah. Like you could load that up like a hack squat, heavier than a normal squat. It probably doesn't require you to warm up as much. It's not as rough on your shoulders. Like, or like a T-bar row, you could do a chest board dumbbell row, like things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's... It's not like, uh, like if I got a machine for my garage gym, none of my clients would be like, finally, you got this. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? They're just like, they'd be like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Do you have mirrors? No. Would you ever? Oh, I, 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 I used to, I was so used to mirrors that working out without them at first would throw me off. Now it throws me off to have them. I mean, unless you're doing like fucking like bicep curls or something, then it doesn't matter. But like, I can't squat in front of a mirror anymore. Yeah, it's been so long since I have. It throws me off, man. I used to not be able to squat without a mirror. Now squatting in front of a mirror just like throws me off. I feel like I just never even used, like, obviously like when you're doing like bicep curls, but like when I would be like squatting, like I never really looked in the mirror. I just did it. I was just like, ah, all right. And yeah. I'd look up and I'd be like, wow, I look like I just died. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember because I learned. To, I looked at the floor. I learned all of the big lifts. <laughs> in front of a mirror I, that you just develop like that's what you're used to so when i would like be squatting it would almost give me like a like a visual cue like all right come out now like come out of the hole now right right and and now and then when i took away the mirror it's weird you don't realize you're relying on that crutch when i took away the mirror i remember the first time squatting without it i was like did i go low enough like <laughs> you know what I mean? and like now i now i just know yeah yeah i think there's a benefit to it when you're learning stuff but the second i would see like a high school boy flexing here i'd rip that shit down oh, so yeah, quick. yeah 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 i i wouldn't i wouldn't right prefer i i don't prefer a mirror especially now as i've gotten older and more mature like when i work out like i'm wearing a hoodie Yep. I'm wearing sweats. Like nothing's even showing. I'm not even like read. Yeah. When I was like 26, I'd like wear the tank top under the hoodie and wait till like mid workout to get a pump, and then you take the hoodie off. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. But now, like I could give a fuck. Like right. I, I, I can't even remember the last time I worked out in a tank top. That was like being no. in high school. I worked out in a fucking wife beater. Like what a neat, what a fucking tool bag I was. That yeah, was just the Italian. In you. That was you just trying to be a, be a mobster over there. I, I think, but that's the thing is, I think, uh, uh, you know, one thing that is not, uh, I don't know. I, I I just feel like you need to go through those learning phases. You need to do stupid shit and, yeah. and then realize later on that you look stupid and then just learn from it. But like, uh, yeah, it was, it was, those were the fun days. We just like, I remember that was, the whole day was built around that workout. 
Yeah. Yes. Their whole day. Like, Great uh, point. Yeah. It like, was like, what am I going to listen to? What do I listen to? What am I doing today? Yeah. Uh, like, uh, when's my last client? Am I going to have time to eat before? Like, I'd be I'd be mapping it all out. Like, okay, if I want to lift at noon, I probably got to eat at like 1030. Like, that's so I a got great like point, 15 man. 15 minutes. I'll go like eat something. Now it's like, you know, I ate the last time I ate was like 930. And if I don't get a workout window when I get when I get home from this, like it's not going to happen. So I'm like, I'm going to have to do it. On, like, Did the, you ever? uh I'm sure you were there. The point where if you missed a workout or oh, didn't hit oh, a certain yeah. lift, it fucking ruins you. Oh, yeah. Dude. I mean, that's unhealthy. Those are unhealthy places oh, to I be, remember, but I've like, been there. I remember, like, missing a deadlift and, like, it, like being, like, legit, like, not, like, internally mad, like, externally cursing and mad that I missed the that I missed it or, like, uh, it, the thought of, like, missing a workout was, like, for, like oh, my God, like, this going to ruin my day. I still have, like, traces of that. Like, if I miss a Monday workout, I'm, like – the fuck am I doing with my life? Like, I didn't work out on my, and it happens maybe twice a year. Yeah, that, and it's like, good to have discipline. You need yeah. to have that discipline, yeah, but, yeah. but not to the point where it's like hindering other aspects of your no, life. No, no, like I, now I just get over it. Like, like even today, dude, like if this ran late, I was mentally prepared. Like if I missed a workout today, like it wouldn't be the end of the day or the end of the world. But like, I remember back in the day, like, especially, that, that was something we worked at the, the box gym. Like we'd all be like, all right, we're working out at noon. And if someone was like, oh, it's my rest day, we'd be like, what are you, a fucking, what are you talking about? <laughs> rest day? Like, like the, we had a friend of ours who would like, he didn't really care what people thought. So like, he'd be like, no, I'm taking a rest day. And we'd give him shit about it and it didn't phase him. But like, if everyone was working out, I'm not going home. Like, I have to work out now, even if I wasn't planning on it. So yeah. <laughs> It's such stupid, it's real. Bro, stupid bro stuff. It's, it's real though. Twice a week, squat twice a week, twice a week. I, you know what? I recently I, another thing too. I realized is like until I was like in my thirties, like I never actually like followed a program. I'm the opposite. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can imagine. I followed a strict program from probably the time I was 19 years old until Dan can probably tell you better than me. Probably until at some point last year. Probably a year and a half. Ago. Probably a year and a so half now ago. You're a little bit more fluid with it. Oh, I'm so fluid with it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm workout fluid, baby. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, like now, I come in. I have either it's going to be a lower body day, upper body day, or just like a conditioning day. Yeah. But I don't think I know what I'm doing till I'm done foam rolling, and I just look around. I go, all right, I'm fucking squat, lunge, <laughs> like. But yeah. I love it. It's, it's way it's less fun, stressful. It's funny. For me. I'm the complete opposite. So like, I started working out when I was like 13, 14. And I think the first time I actually followed like an eight week program, I was 25. So that's 12, 11, 12 years before I ever followed like a legit program. The powerlifting one? The powerlifting yeah, one, yeah, I for my first powerlifting competition. Yeah. Now, obviously, like there was, you know, a semblance of like, like I would do, like I knew I was, like if I was doing like a bro split of like chest and then back and then legs and shoulders. Sometimes I missed. I miss doing that. Oh, Those I miss were, that. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's nostalgic because when I was first getting into it in high school. I, I, I've like, had that feeling like recently. I'm like, God, dude, I miss getting just like a good pump. It's <laughs> funny that well, I, I so so I actually recently started to do way more hypertrophy style training just because I missed it. But I think as you get older, that's I think that's a better place to be for your body and just the energy that you have to train. I think it's fun to touch a heavy lift every once in a while, but yeah. I rather like have some muscle mass and like oh feel yeah good. i went through i think i went through my phases where like all i cared about was how much i lifted i went through my phases where like all i cared about was like what i looked like um but like yeah like i never followed a program and i got to the point where i was so i hadn't followed a program for so long that i was like 
It's fucking stupid. You don't even need a program. So like, I would just think it was annoying. Like I didn't want to track my weights. I just remembered, oh, I squatted 455 last week. I got to do 460 this right. week. And then, then when I started, you know, in the last few years, really emphasizing the importance of having a program to clients, you know, I started taking my own advice. And now I'm, I'm a little too like, oh no, that's not on the program. Or like, oh man, I did X last week and I got to beat that this week. I, I think I need a little bit more fluidity now because I think I'm now I'm a little too attached to the program sort of mindset. Yeah. yeah, and for me, yeah, it's just like that feeds into my like obsessive nature. Yeah. And it's like, I rather just like, hey man, you did three lower body exercises today, a couple ab things, like you did good. Oh, dude. And mm -hmm. the funny thing is too, is like I made a lot of progress with no fucking program. Well, you can because you're consistent. I was so consistent. And again, there was some like level of, you know, I didn't do like deadlifts one week and then not do those for four weeks. Like I was doing it every week, but I never was like last week was four by eight. I got to do four by eight this week. It was like today I'm going to go for a one rep max. And then the next week it was like, I'm going to try and hit this for three. Like it was just kind of fluid like that. But yeah, I missed that, man. I missed that, like uh, that mentality of just like, I just want to work out today. I got to get back there a bit. Yeah. 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 I think some of my programming has even shifted with, I know Dan and Paul probably do more like the high school boys, but when I have one, is has shifted more to that. Like you're gonna hit a trap bar or a, mm -hmm. or a squat and like a single leg thing, but then like we'll have some higher volume like push ups and rows and oh, yeah. just to work just to work on hypertrophy. My, my in person programming, dude, like and, and, my, and it's no secret to my clients is like super fluid. Like I mean, literally, like I know what we're gonna do, and and then they walk in the door and it might switch. That's part of be. That's part of I think client retention and being successful right like in here guys how how many times does a program stay true all the way through hardly hardly yeah it's hard it's hard because it, you can't predict what's going to happen over the next few somebody weeks. might come in not feel great or like they're just like i don't want to do this or an yet, exercise right? doesn't work out how you thought it was going to work out yeah. for that person yeah the way I write yeah. The board printing now. yeah it's uh to just give options right well i think to have a a, a you know, to build some autonomy too is like let's have them make some just make some decisions over time here with their program. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think you learn when you, especially when you're training adults, or actually with you know with with high school and college kids too, is like you don't know what they did the day before. Like you yeah. know, you you might have like a no oh, idea. It's, it's week it's week eight, so we've got to like peak on deadlifts today, and they come in and they're like, I barely ate yesterday, and I stayed up till three o'clock in the morning, like playing fucking video. Yeah, games. playing oh. video games, or or for my clients, like. I, I drank two a whole bottle of wine last night. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not like, well, the program says this. They're I'm, like, uh, what if they told you, like, I had a beer and a Caesar salad last night. <laughs> dude, my You'd be like, they go good together. Dude, they go, yeah, they go good together. Like, that's what it is. I, but, like, I used to be the person who was like, no, no matter what I'm feeling, I got to hit that lift today. But, like, you have to be fluid with it. Again, showing clients that you care. Dude, high school, training, programming for high school kids is harder now than it's ever been in the sense of everybody lifts at fucking school now. And the school oh. has them lift, like, heavy. And you're like, you're probably not doing it well. But, like, I, I, I'm neglecting. I'm doing you a disservice if I do not take into account what your body just went through two oh, yeah. other times this week at school by yeah, doing yeah. a heavy deadlift with probably shitty form, doing shitty hang cleans, yeah. and too heavy of back squats for you. Like, how can I? We had a kid in last night. It was just me and Connor. And he starts loading up the trap bar. He crushes <laughs> a 185 set. Hey, man, all right, what's our game plan for your weight progression today? This, this, and that. He goes, but. I did, uh, I'm thinking this, this, and that because I, yesterday I did a 280 straight bar at school for three reps. I go, then you're staying at 185 the rest of the night. 
Like, like I just how I can't about just have unrack you. the fucking bar right now. Like you should have told me this when you walked in the door. Yeah. So it's like, but that is, that's that's our biggest hurdle with high school kids now is they're doing so much at school, and most of it is shitty. And yeah. it's like now it is taking away from what we can do. And here it's tough. It's a tough balance. It's tough. Thing. And I think I think if you keep the uh, the overall goal in mind too, which is like. You know, I know for me, like with the clients, like the goal really is to just get them to come back for the next workout. Yeah. Like, so if you do what's right for them on that workout, they see that you care, they'll come back for the next workout and you'll eventually, you'll eventually catch up to where you Dude, left our, off. Our, I think, I don't know where I first saw this, maybe like Alan Cosgrove, Dan. I think we had this, this KPI when we first opened if, and it holds fucking true. It's like it's dead, on. dead on. If somebody doesn't hit eight sessions a month, if they're above eight sessions a month, you're pretty much 100% going to retain them. Mm -hmm. If they fall below eight sessions a month once and then twice, and if it happens three months in a row, they're calling to cancel at some point. Yeah. yeah it's like yeah. that eight session mark. Like, there's something about mm -hmm. it that is your magic retention. Number. That was That's how it was in, in, in Unless in they're prior too. agreed to just like a one time a week contract and that's yeah. where they're at. That, yeah, take that I out have, of the equation. I have one client who's been with me for like eight years. And she trains once a week. Yeah, but me. that's the expectation. But yeah, but, she, but yeah, that's the expectation. She, and she she's in shape. She works out on her own. Mm -hmm. um, but I have, yeah, like I, that makes a lot of sense. I, I probably don't track my numbers as closely as I should with that stuff. But uh, with the online coaching um, is, you know, it's a much more habit-based. They have a program. They have nutrition guidelines. They do weekly check-ins. And there's certain like cues I can pick up on. Yeah, the cues are like, big. Like, oh, they missed a check-in this week. Oh, they like... They, two weeks in a row. Yeah, they're don't not you start responding to, you start to, to get mess. an inkling. Oh, I start to get an inkling, and then again, like all that that insecurity and trauma because like, yeah, oh, they're too. gonna they're gonna leave. Yeah, me too. So like, uh, yeah, like you can start to see that, but yeah, man, you. I mean, I'm sure you guys see this too, but like, um, because with online coaching, people are usually paying monthly, or some people will pay in full for like a, a period of time. Mm -hmm. I've had people pay me for like six months up front, which yeah, is a, is a good four figure that's, payment. That's nice. Yeah, but then they don't follow through, and that's I'm like trouble, and I'm like. What at that point I'm like I don't know if anyone can help you if you're willing to piss away that level of money you know what I mean and not follow through right um so I've seen that happen before and and again like you know you have to get out of your head and be like oh this is me like it's maybe it's them like you know yeah 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 this is this is me thing yeah that that's tough to like shake yeah yeah, yeah you got to. Yeah, you can't save everybody. Like everyone who comes through your gym, like, it's like assuming everyone who comes through your gym is gonna like make it to the majors. It's like it's not gonna happen. Yeah, I think we're better now. It's, but that's like the nature of it. Early on, Dan, when we had like no clients, you're like, I'll take anybody. Yeah, you're gonna pay me. Sign up, and I'll die for you too. Like I'll yes. go, I'll do anything. And <laughs> now, since we're established, and shout out Ben Siler. Hello, Ben Siler. <laughs> going? This is Ben Siler's second podcast appearance. What's up, Ben so Siler? It's okay. Come no, on no, in. No, Foam so, roll, Ben Siler. No, we're going. We're going long. Sorry. It's okay. We're going long. And listen, you're not a rookie to the pod, Ben Siler. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's uh. Oh my God, Ben Ben Siler's face distracted me. What were we saying? <laughs> I don't even know. We were saying early on, Siler. Early on, when yeah. we have no clients, I would take anybody. Sign the fuck up, pay me, and you're good. But now since we're established, there's people that come in and I go, "You're not a good fit. Yeah. Like this is going to be disruptive to our business model. It's not going to work." Like I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. want your money. It's gonna be do us more harm than good. Yeah, yeah, that I will say that is one thing that's that I have to get better at because my stuff is one on one. It's 
they're not really ruining a community. So like, they're just stressing me out. Yeah, it's community, but for us, Dan, it's flow of a group. Flow of a group, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, when I have a one-on-one, -on -one, like, I, I still, I, I'm getting better at like, you know, hey, this might not be a good for fear right now. Um, and another thing that comes along with that is there's more of the business side of things, but like after a while, like being a little bit more established, you have a good client book, like, then you can kind of like, you can bump your rates up a bit, which will kind of shy some people away who mm -hmm. weren't ready to commit. Mm -hmm. So there's things you can do, but yeah, like that, that big, that white belt mentality is good, but it can, there's a threshold where you have to kind of let that go after a while. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just something I feel like we've just felt over the years and you have to acclimate and you're like, yeah, we have to buckle down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. this like, do you know whatever 190 to 300 a month like it's not worth the trouble that yeah, is, yeah, that yeah. is going to bring us yeah no yeah you have to be vigilant about that yeah for sure um yeah we can keep going but i think we got more people coming in the gym yeah no, no, I, 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 I kept you guys a long time you guys got yeah, stuff you to gotta, do can you still do your workout yeah i'll make it happen right. yeah. <laughs> yeah i got two hours before i have to leave my house to go do the corporate wellness so it's 15 minutes to get home I'll get 45 yeah, minutes of working out in. Hey, you get in a Coors Light, a Caesar salad, and you're good, you're good to go. So Post-workout post nutrition. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Dude, I, I'm not a big drinker, but like I haven't had a drink since like August. I, uh, I have not felt like drinking at all lately. The last time I drank, and we've been out socially and had people over to the house who were all drinking, was since the J-Stup Be Weave podcast. Well, it started with the podcast with Siler's dad, with Casey, is that I brought screwball and I poured heavy and ripped down two screwballs Ooh. and got kind of fucked up quick. And I looked and Casey's like two sips into his beer and I was like, oh God, I got to settle in right now. <laughs> I felt bad that next day. And then within the same month, we had the J-Stup B-Weave, this yeah. Phoenix and the Raven, a rock bed podcast. And I knew it was going to be a fun energy one. So I got drunk there. And that next morning was like, I had to chug a whole thing at Pedialyte. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't drank since then. Just have had no. Didn't you have to work the next day? No. Yeah, I, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. That's yeah. a big That's a big driver for me too, is as I've just gotten older. No, I work the next like, day. Yeah. I'm like, oh. I'm just like, I, I just value too much like feeling good yes. that I'd make decisions based on that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like, yeah, I uh, getting, drinking during the week is usually just like not really a thing I want to do anyway. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's been a while since me and my wife had 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 drinks, uh, but not for any other reason than it was just like ah, it's like I don't really like feel it. Yeah, yeah right I'll now. be into it at some point in at the future. Point, yeah, but it like, comes around. I got I'll a wedding tomorrow. I'm going to. I'm gonna have a couple of drinks. The, like, oh, see nice. my the key, friends. Mike, is you drink the Pedialyte before you go to bed. Yeah, I'll right. and then when you wake up the next morning, you're not, you're, as, bad. You're not as bad. Yeah, and then you drink more in the morning. Don't don't miss out on that either. Noted. <laughs> Noted. More drinks in the morning or more Depends on what the day has had. Um. Yeah, Adam, this is a blast. This we, is uh, awesome, man. We'll do another, man. This is fun. I like when we talk to people in this field because it's yeah. just like I told Paul yesterday, like we do prep, we research for them. And if it's like a topic that's new to me, I'm learning, I'm working it, yeah. I'm really researching the questions. This is just like fucking truly being us. And this is stuff that's on our brain all day. Yeah, This yeah. is like therapy to me a little no, bit. No, no, I think that was, honestly, I think that was, that's one of the things that I do miss about working with people, like other co-workers because you let it out and you're able to like, you can let out that frustration, you can you can bullshit and then you get a lot of the stuff out in the open. Mm -hmm. Where with me, I'm just working by myself all day. So like, you know, I can't let it out to clients and I try not to just unload on my wife. Yeah. And, uh, you know what I mean? So it's like, at the end of the day, sometimes you have all this frustration, just kind of like bitching about it to people who understand what you're talking about is very, very cathartic. Yeah, yeah, it's important. Um, 
Hey, plug whatever you want to plug, and we'll wrap this up. Uh, yeah, if you're if you're listening to this and you want to follow me on uh, Instagram, uh, it's at Badger Strength. I also have a podcast called Talk and Fit, uh, which is more geared towards like general pop listeners. So like, if you're someone who's interested in losing weight, or you know someone who's interested in losing weight and is tired of like bullshit fad diets, I think my content would be for you. Um, yeah, and I try to make my content uh, accessible and kind of funny. So I think if, even if you're not trying to lose weight, it's something that you is, is I try to make like share what's called shareable content. So like share it out with other people who might be interested. Um, last question. Yeah. If you were, what's your next shareable food you want to introduce Dan Jones to? Bring him oh, up another level. Oysters. Oysters. I get down with that. Oysters. Ooh, Jen, Jen noted down. He'll then be ten years old. <laughs> I got I, my my wife the first time she tried an oyster. We have a video of it. Like she gagged and almost puked, and now like she loves them. Which is so I got her into oysters and uh, raw sushi. Dan, say in the mic, I will try oysters. Give it to him. I'll do you one better. <laughs> I have eaten oysters. <laughs> and I've only ever tried sushi because of Adam. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're all here just trying to make each other better. That's all. Adam, appreciate you. Thanks, this guys. Is a blast. We'll do it, it again. Thanks, everybody.